Good afternoon, beloved, and welcome to Oops, I Missed Church, the podcast. This show is originally aired every Sunday from 3 to 5 p.m. at RadioKMZN.com. If you have any interest at all in being a guest on this podcast, please send an email to oopsimissedchurch at gmail.com. And now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, lovely listeners. Here we are again, a beautiful Sunday afternoon. And what a treat. We've got a guest I've been waiting for for quite some time. I met him. He actually gave me a very beautiful experience once. We can talk about that later. But Isaiah Cozy Masters. Is that two last names? Is that correct, that Isaiah? Is, that is two last names. Hyphenated, typically. Yeah. Isaiah, how are you? I'm I'm doing great. It's it's really good to see you again. Yeah, um, you too, it's man. Really, and it's good that we're finally doing this. Um, Heck yeah. And it, really, it's just a great privilege. Man. Words are hard. <laughs> privilege is all mine for having you here. Thank you. You are sort of a... I mean, you're an incredible musician, and I didn't realize how many projects you were affiliated with as far as like bands and stuff. How many groups do you play music with right now? I play music with Chavela, that's Woo-hoo. one, Algae Collective, The oh, Wild yeah. Suite. Um, I work with Elise Road uh, as much as I can, um, and any color you like. So I guess five right now. Um, thankfully, they all kind of take hiatuses. Like they, right. play, they won't play or anything for like a month. So I, it kind of worked out that I ended up playing with all of them just intermittently. Mm. But it's summertime and everybody wants to play shows and do stuff in the summer. So yeah. things are really picking up. I think when we reconnected recently, uh, there was a bill with three bands and I was in all of them. Yeah, so. it was awesome. That was a great show too. It you was guys sounded good, good. Good, I'm glad. That was my first time seeing The Wild Suite mm. and Elise Road. But I'd heard your guys' song, The Heart Open. Oh, yeah, you When did you released it. that, yeah. Yeah, what'd you think? Oh, I really enjoyed it, yeah. And it was a nice surprise, sort of, because it just felt like something different mm-hmm. from, I don't know, not just San Antonio music, but like it had a newness to it, you know, where it, it's your own thing, I could tell. And yeah. so I really appreciated that. And it's just, it's groovy. Yeah. yeah. Groovy is, and a lot of what the Wild Suite is, is the brainchild of uh, Inez Escobar, also known as Duke, um, formerly yeah. of St. Duke's, formerly, um, or now known as St. Venice, but this is another project of his. Um, that song in particular is very, very much him and his, uh, um, lyrically especially, uh, an interpretation of what he's got going on inside, and he really does a great job of connecting the feel of a song that he's creating yeah. to his lyrics. So I, one of the reasons I like working with him is uh, sometimes... Um, he can't quite get that energy that he's going for, but he gives me enough where I like do something. He's like, it's that. Mm. And I was like, yes, yes. That's it's so nice when you find that sort of synergy mm-hmm. just with another musician or creative in any form, I think, where you can collaborate on something and kind of fill in the gaps for one another. I think that's one of my favorite things about creating with people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Man, well, Isaiah... I don't know you super well, and so I'm very excited to get to know you better right now. And I'm curious how long you've been in San Antonio, kind of your life story, where you came from, what's the meaning of life, is God real, 
you know, okay. all sorts of things. But let's start with how long you've been in San Antonio. Okay. I moved to San Antonio in seventh grade, which was the latter half of 2000 in, or eighth grade. In eighth grade, the in the latter half or the last two months of 2007. Okay. Moved here from Washington State. Oh. Uh, my dad was stationed at Fort Lewis, um, and we lived in the Tacoma area. Nice. Um, I like Tacoma. I do too. I was born in Oregon. Oh. Just under Washington. The Pacific Northwest. Yeah, the baby. S- South Pacific Northwest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. It was, um, I was only there for three years, um, but I've been here since since the latter the latter part of 2007. So San Antonio is really home yeah. for me. Before San Antonio, though, um, Hawaii was home. Right. That's um, I wild. Lived, I lived there for five years from like four to nine. So a lot of my... Uh, a lot of formative experiences and very important memories for me, uh, good and bad, yeah. happened happened there. Um, especially like, especially like things like cultural exposure. Right. Um, you feel like you're in a different country compared to all the lower forty eight states. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's just the literal, just geographical isolation. Yeah. Things until the internet really took off. Um, Right, that would be media. such an interesting time to be there mm-hmm. as a kid before all of, because th- that still feels before kind of they opened Pandora's box with social media and stuff. Exactly. And yeah, because that's the craziest thing now is how much of the world we get to be aware of. Yes. That we used to not. Yes. You know, and that's yeah, man, that would be so wild to spend your childhood there. I didn't know it was wild. Right. Until was, you left, until, right? Not even when I left. It wasn't until I was living here. Mm. And I was like, oh, we just lived like in paradise land. Just because. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, and it was, I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't just all beaches and sunshine all the time, obviously. For sure. It was, you're still living life. But um, the culture of the people there is just, it was just, it was just different. It was, it's unlike... It was unlike anything else that, that I've ever seen. I've lived and visited a number of states. Not Iowa, for some reason. But <laughs> You're missing out, dude. <laughs> One day. You'll get there someday. I'll play a show. I'm, listen, I'm really into Midwest emo right, right now. Oh, heck and yeah, I, dude. And I, and I really want to just like play it. So <laughs> Yeah, my first band in high school, we w- there would be shows that we would put together with these pop punk bands yes. that were traveling through Iowa, you know? Yes. And we'd play in these this little University Park Community Center, which was maybe like two of these rooms <laughs> about the size of. And it was super fun. We got to play with the band Now Now once. Huh. Do you know them at all? No. They're I'm not good at band names. That's okay. I, I hear stuff I'm like, that's, that's but nice. They actually, they went on to be like pretty successful. Cool. So that was really wild to be able, because we were not that great, you know? <laughs> and it was just kind of a fun thing where my buddy Kyle and Joel, they both knew how to follow the bands and get in touch with them and stuff. And I was so... I was just always really surprised that they would even be able to stop in Oskaloosa. Mm. But it was a treat. Nice. Yeah. So and, may- maybe, maybe. Yeah. I bet you'll make it. if and Because Des Moines, which is the capital of Iowa and it's the biggest city, it's a, I'm really curious to see what it does in the next like 10 to 20 years because it's already grown a ton. Mm-hmm. And just with how expensive all of the coasts of the country are people are gonna move I think inland lots of people are moving inland yeah. yeah i see i see i see it's like a baby kansas city sort of that have you been sense. there yeah i have 
Okay, yeah. Well, I, I can actually... You Are you aware of International House of Prayer? Oh, heck yeah, dude. When I was in 11th grade, I went to one of their music camps. Oh, um, rad. Yeah, it was that, was... that was really cool. Yeah. Another really, another really good formative experience for me. Um, it was a different way. It's it's imp- I lead worship at my church. Awesome. Uh, Greater Faith Community Christian Fellowship. Very small church. Probably like 10, 15 people at, at any given time. I love it. But I do too. I love those. I love those guys. I yeah. Love, I love them a lot. And, um, but there are methods of like leading, leading worship and playing that I learned at that camp that I still use today that are yeah. really, really good. Um, but yeah. that was a worship like centered camp, I imagine, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, kind of just general music stuff, because the, the yeah. people that they had leading these classes and courses and stuff, very, very good musicians. One of my, mm. one of the, one, one of my favorite piano players ever, actually, was, uh, was one of the lead, worship leaders there. His name is John Thurlow. Yeah. yeah. You know about John Thurlow? Oh, yeah, yeah. dude. That, that, yeah, John. His th- song, Mighty Hand, you know that song? I don't. <laughs> it's so good. It's all about the prodigal son story. Wow. And it's just beautiful. I will check. I will. I will check that out. Yeah. I he has he has one album from 2010 that I just have on repeat. It's called Strong Love. It's yeah. the one that he came out with ref, the year before I went to that camp. Right. So. Oh, that's so cool! And you got to like learn from him. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it was amazing. Wow, it was it was awesome. So. Um, that's so rad, dude. I love that. So, did you grow up in the church? Yes. Okay. Uh, various churches. My my our original. Um, the original uh, iteration of our church going was basically Assemblies of God for, mm-hmm. for uh, as long as I could remember, like when we moved to Hawaii, basically. Um, oh, let me let me back up. Let me back up. Okay. I was born in Sacramento. Born in Sacramento, okay. California. That's where my mom and my father met and my mom and my stepdad, who's been in my life since I was two. They, oh, they, wow. also, they also met there. Um, I was born. My mom married my stepdad when I was two. We moved here, actually. Uh, not not long after that. Oh wow! We stayed here for two years on Fort Sam Houston. Then we moved to Hawaii um, when I was four. Okay. And then from four to about nine, ten years old, we lived there. And while we were there, we went to a church called First Assemblies of God, Red Hill. Pastor's name is Clayton Co. Still the huh. pastor. Still the pastor there. This oh was, wow! This was twenty. Good years, for him. This was twenty years ago though. Um, yeah, like like his kids were around my age, and like seeing them as adults after not seeing them since they were nine is like, whoa. Yeah. So um, I actually went to the when I was in kin- when I I did I spent kindergarten, first, second, third, and fourth grade there, and second through fourth grade I actually went to the Christian school at that church. Um, it was called Christian. It was just called Christian Academy. Um, mm. I don't remember much except that I was bullied, but uh, dang. But some very some interesting things happen, you know, when people get older and they mature. A number of kids that bullied me reached out to me and apologized. Oh, and that's time, nice. It was it was it was wonderful and beautiful, and I yeah. cried every time. <laughs> so right, there's some redemption there. I like that. I'm I'm such a sucker for redemption. Yeah, it's, it's baby. Ridiculous. Oh man, <laughs> that's cool. Because yeah, and I admire you for not like holding on to the resentment, you know, because. It's crazy what, the way that bullying can really... I mean, it's a lot bigger of a deal, I think, than people realize sometimes. Or, I don't know, people are being much more aware of it nowadays. Yes. But... Part of it is you don't realize the actual... Da- like, okay, you're going to be a kid, and you're going to experience things 
that make you feel not good. That's just going to happen. Right. That's life. Right. It's going to happen when you're a kid. It's going to happen when you're an adult. And the most you can do is be taught how to like prepare for it hmm. or how to deal with it as you grow up. Or, or hopefully you're protected from the things that have lasting effects on you until you're able to deal with it in a healthy way. Yeah. When you're second, third, and fourth grade, you're not, you don't know how to deal with bullying in a healthy way. Right. You're still learning about everything. You're still learning about yourself. And so you just internalize that. So the impact I didn't realize until like not long ago. It's like yeah. why don't I like myself? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is what is oh right. You were conditioned not to. <laughs> Man. Yeah, there is something to be said just about childhood trauma, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that that term or just trauma it gets used a lot these days, but I think it's really a good thing because people are being much more aware of just the and, and just the talk of like mental illness and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm thankful for it because I think it's important for people to talk about stuff, you know, and actually be aware of it rather than suppress, suppress, suppress. Because that seems like so much of culture in the past mm-hmm. was if something bad happens, just push it down, ignore it, you know. But then it comes back later, you know, or it mm-hmm. shows in other ways. And Even, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I don't, and it, it's unfortunate that that's primarily what I remember from that school because they were, it was a very good school in terms mm. of like the education value yeah. and uh, extracurricular stuff, their focus on general health, um, the, the, lunch, the, lunch, the lunch program was good. Oh, nice. I remember the food being good. <laughs> yeah, right on. Um, when, when you look back on your time in Hawaii, is it more because of that, like I imagine that school had a huge played a huge factor in your perception of it. Yes. And Um, so does do you feel that it's kind of like a hard memory or more pleasant? Oh no, pleasant. Definitely pleasant. Um I still had good friends. I just wasn't in this this continued well after I lived in Hawaii. My social skills and my ability to navigate social situations was just very behind most kids. Mm. It just just it just was. Um, Did you have any siblings? I had two. I okay. had two. Um, two that I grew up with and my older brother um, on my on my father's side. Yeah. Um, and they, 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 were too, they were too young to remember most of Hawaii. Um, Jonah and Micah, in fact. Oh, wow. Yeah. You got yeah. a brother named Micah? I do have a brother named wow, Micah. Wow, dude. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's cool. I like uh, all these prophet names. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we do too. Um, except for when we're all being called... At, by one parent at the same time. Yeah. Because <laughs> something's... <laughs> right. Something's left out or <laughs> not cleaned or something. Yeah. Um, oh, my... It got so... That, not bad. There was one time my friend was over and my dad called me and then, like, uh, like years later, I saw this friend again and he just... He goes, I was like, oh, like that, which is how my, <laughs> how my dad says my... Dad. I was like... Huh. Am I in trouble? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Nice. Um, but yeah, J- Jonah and Micah, they're both younger than me. Um, Jonah uh, Jonah is a football coach in San Angelo, Texas. Oh, cool. And Micah joined the military. Uh, he got married last year. He got, he, Congrats. June, June 12th. They just celebrated their first anniversary. Nice. And they moved. He joined the military. They got married. They moved to South Dakota kind Whoa. of recently. Yeah. It's a lot different than Texas. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what they're doing. They're being, nice. 
being being lovey dovey couples and traveling to Good Disney World more often than I expected. Huh. <laughs> Some married couples do that. Yeah. But I guess if he's in the military, maybe he gets to travel more or no, he just no? he has some time off, and his wife Hannah, who, she loves Disney. She loves Disney, and he loves Disney too. And he keeps, and I'm a I was a huge I was a huge Star Wars nerd, and he's like, dude, oh, you need yeah. to go to Disney and go see the Star Wars stuff. Right. I don't even like Star Wars. You're gonna love this. And I'm like, I will when I'm not broke, bro. I yeah. promise. <laughs> I am curious about the whole Star Wars thing there because it looks cool, <laughs> and I've been to Disney World. It's fun. We went. We yeah. went in 2006, right before we moved here. It's weird, man. It's like a, it's its own sort of city. S- yeah. Yeah. And civilization and everything. Yeah. Like you have the Disney money. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of strange. It's borderline culty. But yeah. <laughs> but definitely. But well, I, and then when you meet the people that are like really into it, hardcore Disney D- fans. Disney adults. Yeah. It's culty. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody seems to be having fun. You know, nobody's getting murdered. I'm okay with it. Right. I'm okay with it. You know, it's, it's it's literally just Kool Aid. Like it's only it's just Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, Mickey themed Kool Aid. Right. Exactly. Just Kool Aid. <laughs> okay. Well, right on, dude. So after Hawaii, is that when you went to Washington? That's when we went to Washington State. Uh, gotcha. Went to a church there, another Assemblies of God church called South Tacoma Assemblies of God, and we kind of aligned with that kind of general Pentecostal yeah. um, doctrine and and stuff. Uh, typically, uh, for no, no matter where we went, mm-hmm. um, it it suited. I think my parents both came from not very saved backgrounds and not very safe backgrounds, mm. um, which sometimes sometimes the two can mingle in any which way. Anyway, right, but. Um, so a lot of a lot of things that they were looking for was to protect us, mm. um, both situationally, socially, um, and spiritually. Yeah. So we, they were very, very conservative back in the day. Um, I think that's a lot of parents. Not to, not not necessarily politically all the time, but very, very, very strict um, right. with the kind of media we could consume, which I I don't. I don't think was I don't think was a problem. I think it it, it made us more discerning and ju- judicious yeah. about, about certain things. Um, they were one of those parents that was like, "Harry Potter will never be in this house." Right, that's uh, mine too. Yeah, but it's and I yeah I don't know I I see where they were coming from. You know, like I don't hold that against my parents. Oh, I do. You do? Yeah, a little bit. I think that's because... a joke. I do. I do it humorously. Oh, for sure. I because, feel that. Yeah. Because okay, my my now ex fiance and I. Oh. Um, we'll, we'll get into that. There's, okay, yeah. There's a reason I reacted to your wedding date. Um, right. <laughs> um, we watched we watched Harry Potter together, and I was angry. Do you know I was angry? Because of all of the Christian iconography that's all over right. that, the story and I the mean, plot. the whole story is like a Christological story. Yeah, I'm just like, this yeah. is... What, what, what if you could have just watched this that's and just... <laughs> I know, it's so funny. <laughs> so... I remember I saw the first one... Like behind my mom's back, at a friend's house, mm-hmm. and I was so like nervous about my mom, <laughs> you know, because yes. I thought my mom was gonna drive up, <clears throat> and I was gonna get in trouble seeing this movie. <laughs> but it's funny you bring up Harry Potter because I've recently listened to almost all of the books yeah. on audiobooks. Very good, and they're read by Stephen Fry, and he does so well. Like yeah. he just does the narration and everything so terrific, and yeah, I really it's. 
so wild how much that story has the gospel in it, you know? Like, 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 okay, like, like Draco, right? Betraying everyone to suit his own selfish desires and Dumbledore literally dying for him. I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? And like, it was, how, I just, I think even, even, even today, I, all I need is for Christians to have media literacy. That's it. That's it. And we're, we're good to go. But yeah. Yeah. I think there is something dangerous about complete cutting off of, you know, something just because you think or you're nervous about it or whatnot. I get having I still, like I st- ratings and stuff and not letting yeah. little kids see things they shouldn't. And that, but yeah, and there's there's definitely levels of appropriate. There's one there's one that's that was less like no, no, no Christians that I know of have well that I know of not saying they don't exist, have serious issues with Star Wars. My parents didn't either. Uh, the pastor of the church in South Tacoma and all his kids, they love Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Right? But in Star Wars Episode Three, which came out while I was in Washington, and it was a big deal, and like they were like going to, the people from the church were like going to go and watch it type of thing. Right? right. My mom saw that there was a depiction of violence against women and when, when Anakin chokes Padme. Right? Mm. And she was like, you can't watch that. And I was like, I was so mad. I, can't, I cannot tell you. Everybody in my youth group, the kids younger than me in youth group, got to see this, and I just, I just couldn't. I uh, didn't. I didn't see it for years. I, wow. It just, just cause, right? And now I'm like, not that I had like any dispositions, predispositions to anything that I know of, at least. Um, but now I'm like, I understand. Right. I that one, that one, I actually get more than Harry Potter because. Um, one, um, I know the kinds of things my mom has been through, mm. and I know it wasn't portrayed as like this is an okay thing to do. It was like, no, this is evil. You know, he's doing the right. She's going to be Darth Vader. Yeah, she just didn't want us to see that at all in any capa- any capacity yeah. whatsoever. And and I appreciate I appreciate that now. Yeah. So, and that's that's a wild thing about growing up too, right? Where you can kind of, well, just to be made more aware of who we are as individuals and then realize, oh my goodness, my parents were also someone's children, you know, and are still also discovering who they are in a way, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, I think it's really important for people to have, it makes me really sad when I hear people just trash talk their parents, you know, and oh, I you, understand. Oh, you, you, you caught, you caught me in at a good time. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Cause I get it when, cause some parents have done like are terrible, you know? And, and no, and no parents, no parents is perfect. Right. Um, there was kind of a, there was kind of a family crisis that I, I won't go into very, very much. Cause mm-hmm. it's not just my business. Right. Um, recently, that kind of put me in that place where I was just really pissed off at my mom. Yeah. And um and I eventually I had to sit down and, and take a step back and and realize like even not just that, but other things that either I felt or I knew that she did that weren't that weren't right. Um I had to take a step back and realize like that she's just a person. Right. And some people and sometimes people do the wrong thing. Yeah. And it's so easy to put our parents on pedestals, yep. you know, and then... Which I definitely did growing up. Yeah. How could you not? It's it's like, especially if, if you know your parents love you. Life giver. You know, yeah. Food giver. <laughs> right. Cook, yeah. Snuggles giver. Provide everything. <laughs> yeah. How could you not put that on a pedestal? So, okay. Well, right on. Okay. So Washington. Washington stayed there. 
for three years. And then um, down here in middle school. Down, down here, towards, yeah, in, in middle school. Um, towards, I think it was the end of eighth grade, or the middle of eighth grade, end of 2007, going into 2008. Uh, moved here to Fort Sam Houston, went to school at Cole Middle School, which is the Robert G. Cole Middle School, Robert G. Cole High School. Um, Shaquille O'Neal's High School. Right. Yes. Um, went there, finished out high school here. We weren't sure. In between in between all of that, my dad got deployed a couple times. Hmm. Um, I think my brain just kind of blocks that out. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's just like, eh, no, 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 that year doesn't matter. <laughs> so, um, Was that pretty hard, being a child of a deployed father? Um. Like, like I'm not, I'm not kidding. My, like, my brain, like, in time, in per- periods of time where my stepdad wasn't like around for whatever reason, such as like before he was in my life, like my brain just was like that doesn't exist. So, mm. yeah. Um, I imagine it was. I know. I remember it being really hard for mom. Um, I remember us feeling the effects of that. Um, but that's that's one of those things where I kind of had to sit and realize like he wasn't here. She, right. she was kind of she was dealing with being the parent of three rambunctious children. On her own. Yeah. So, you know, something's got to give, and sometimes it was peace. Yeah. So, um, and it happens. It, it, it happens. Right. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, it was, but I don't remember that much. Mm-hmm. So, are you, do you have any relationship with your biological first? Father? Yeah. Yes, I do. It's much better than it was. Um, I'm notoriously bad at keeping in communication with people that I don't see on a regular basis. And because I would go months or years without seeing him, um, a desire from on my end to foster that relationship wasn't super, yeah, um, wasn't super huge. Not until I got older. Once I once I got older, then it was like, uh, okay, this is this is really important. Um, my brother, um, his, his son, my my brother Philanda, um, I always like idolized. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so she was an older brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's seven. I think he's seven years older than me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Man. Well, right on, dude. I'm so glad you're in San Antonio. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. I like, I like, I like this being home. Yeah. That's, I find that with a lot of people. There's so, a lot of people I've met, I'll, I'll ask, do you, like, where are you from? And they'll say, born and raised San Antonio. And then my next question is always, do you want to stay here forever? And a lot of people do say, yeah, why, you know, because they have everything they need here. And it is a very homey city. You know, like I feel it's easy to, I, I was super fortunate in meeting people fast and just quickly falling into place or finding community, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. I came here and didn't know anybody. And so it was very, I like prayed to God for friends. Mm-hmm. And then the next weekend met Will Chapel, mm-hmm. and he's still like one of my best friends to this day. Awesome. So it's, it was so cool the way that. It all played out. And I could just tell the whole culture of the city is very, it's super welcoming and inviting, I feel, compared to some places, you know? And especially like on the coast, I feel like New York and LA have a sort of... It's a very, yeah, it's a... You got to be a certain way to be here. And it's crabs in a barrel. And you're not welcome. Everybody's <laughs> everybody's kind of fighting for a spot at something right. in general um, and places like that. Here... Yeah, the competition does not seem to be... Here yeah, in yeah. that way, it, it and it it depends. It's like um, I went to Austin, and Austin kind of feels that way, um, but it's not, it's not, it's not that, it's not that strong. I think people, yeah. I think people in in Central South Texas are really just trying to live in general. 
Right. Um, which can lead to some complacency things, especially when you talk about some commercial or business related things. But people are just trying to live. Yeah, and survive this heat. <laughs> yeah. This, <laughs> oof, oof, it hit like a truck. I know. It, it really just got here and it reminded me of what I hate about it here. <laughs> but it's too easy to complain about the weather. Um, well, right on, dude. I'm so grateful to have you here. And I'm so glad that you make music because I've gotten to hear a few of your projects. The first time I ever heard Isaiah, you, was when you were playing with Palm Trees mm-hmm. and K Dot invited me to play some songs. At Backyard on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you made me feel like Marty McFly. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> I'm so glad you got that. <laughs> yeah. He invited me up after I played a, a solo set, and then he invited me up to play one of my songs with the full band. Lonely Summer. Yeah. yeah. Right on, dude. That, that night, um, for all of us, and that, that band is kind of defunct, um, but it's, uh, that night for all of us was like one of the best shows we had ever played. Oh, cool. Like it was just... the. The energy of the crowd playing your song at the end with you and stuff. I remember get, I remember you getting done with your set, and I was like, I was talking to Matthew, uh, Matthew Olivares. Yeah. Um, I was talking to him. I was like, Hey, hey, you hear that? It's in G, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. I, I was like, Hey, you know, it's, it's in G. What, what's he doing? Is, is he going to F after that? Or, or I, was, I was going over the chords with him. He's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, What are you? I was like, Dude, we gotta play that. <laughs> we gotta call him back up, and we gotta play. That, that was at so the end. fun. So. Yeah, yeah, that was. Thanks for doing that. You made my month, dude. I was, I, I was so stoked. That's 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 a great. Yeah. Oh, that was that was a while. That was pre-COVID, dude. Yeah, it wasn't super f- long before COVID. I don't think it may have been. Was it like the end of 2019? That would have been. That would have been right before. That would have been right before COVID. Yeah. Because there's still a bunch of people there. Nobody was wearing masks or anything. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, it hadn't happened yet. It, it didn't happen yet. That was fun. I was wearing a. I was wearing my brown sweater vest. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. Yeah, it's so weird that there is this clump of time that's just sort of, I don't know. The, it's like when staticky. COVID happened, yeah, all these, it's just so strange because you, everything was disrupted so badly. And man, I'm really glad to be on the other end of it, Me you too. know? Because it's, I, but it's sad to see sort of the lingering effects and, because it does, it just feels that it really heightened sort of the division in a lot of ways, just in culture. Yes, you know, and that's general. In general, isolation, right, will just do that to you. And we were all kind of forced into it, so we really went into all of our uh, ideological, spiritual, uh, and political bubbles, just mm-hmm. really, 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 really strongly because. We still sought out social interaction, right? But we could only really get it through the internet. And what we ended up with was these social media algorithms and coding and things like that that fed us either divisive content that could go viral right. or things that you already agreed with. So it just kind of conf- we yeah. just kind of confirmation biased our way away from each other <laughs> exactly. for like two years straight. Um, during COVID, like right, uh, I think I was working at this children's shelter when we did back out on broadway already oh um, cool I, I worked at a cps shelter for a couple of years um wow and through and a large large chunk of that was through covid um 
Man. And something that I noticed for for a lot of the kids and a lot of uh, teachers are noticing with kids uh, in elementary grade and middle school now is some weird anti or asocial behaviors. And I'm like, like these kids didn't get good, healthy interaction or the routine of school, at least, whether or not it was good Mm. or bad, um, or dealing with these kinds of things. They lost that for two years straight. And yeah, some of the behaviors is like really concerning. So I don't want to dwell on that though. Right. Well, it's interesting. Rupa is a teacher and hearing her talk about just the way the apathy that exists in the kids now as they're back in school after this two year break, basically the desire to learn is so much less Yeah, and just the actual, as if attention spans weren't already so threatened just because of supercomputers in our pockets, Mm -hmm. being isolated and then cut off from actual, like the structure of, school as a kid i think it really really is going to be affecting people for a long time you know it's sad i think you're absolutely i think you're absolutely right um my attention span and my sense of structure is already pretty bad like it's just same yeah it's it's already pretty bad um so school was kind of a mixed bag for me the structure was good even if i wasn't good at it you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it created, it still created. It's um, like a rhythm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. And so it still created environments for me to have um, some, some kind of production uh, mm. or, or, pro, or productive behaviors at, at least without, without, without that kind of consistency, even if it's just in schedule. Like I used to think that I, I needed a flexible schedule. With when I work and stuff like that, like I don't need that. I need everything to happen at the same time, every every single day. But if something changes, I can be adaptive. Right. Especially if something changes like on the fly, like nobody knows what's going on. Oh, I can just I can just do this. But yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah. Like, that's so I like to operate in that. It's like improv, <laughs> almost in the you know? almost, yeah almost like in the chaos like yeah. Uh, it's like let's just figure it out. Yeah. Come on. Because <laughs> I do and I'm. I've realized I'm bad at creating the structure for myself. Oh, but, but if so you're much, maintaining somebody else's... Yeah, if somebody I, else has made it for me, I can stick with that much easier. Oh, my gosh. I have said that in interviews. That exact same thing. Oh, wow. I've said that in interviews before. I, so right now, I teach music. Oh, cool. Um, I teach music lessons at a place called Sage Music. If you need music lessons, we teach online. We teach in person. Oh, we, have awesome. a wonderful, we have a wonderful... Uh, curriculum and teaching method called arpeggio where we cater ourselves to your needs as a musician sorry um no it's good plug it yeah (laughs) and um go to sagemusic.co sagemusic.co and sign up for lessons today i like this voice it's nice (laughs) sage music (laughs) um do you guys burn a lot of sage (laughs) just kidding the owner's name is sagabeel whoa yeah 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 where are they from he is from Seguin, I think. Okay. He's from Seguin. He took his business. Uh, he he's from Seguin. He took his business to New York. He was very successful in New York until COVID happened, and he brought it back to San Antonio. Wow. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's off of West Poplar Street in the Tobin Hill, Hill area near near San Pedro. Nice. Um, and it's all ages. All ages. Anybody. I cool. have my youngest student is four. My oldest student is sixty three. Oh, cool. She turned sixty four on the twenty third. That's awesome. Yeah. So, but back, 
but back to, back to so I so I teach there, and I really feel like sometimes that I don't know that I'm serving my students' needs well because uh, my my lack of structure, at least mentally, sometimes comes through. I'm not sure where to take them sometimes, mm. um, and it's hard for me to create it for them. Um, unless I'm able to get out of them, this is exactly what they want to do. I substitute at another school, which I will not name because I'm going to shade them a little bit because they didn't hire me. Uh-huh. But <laughs> right, but um, but they're, they're they're great. I substitute for them sometimes, and um, and and they have they have they have good facility and 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 they're 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 good to their students, good to their teachers, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but they're my competition. So, <laughs> um, so go to sagemusic.co. Go to sagemusic.co. Sagemusic.co. They te- uh, some, I have students all across the country. I have students in mm. Kansas. I have Because stu- I, I te- they do online lessons. Yeah. Students in Kansas. I had a student that was in Hawaii for half the year. And now he's back on the mainland. Um, I have a few students in New York. I substitute for the New York teachers sometimes. Oh, cool. They, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really That's good. a really cool... I mean... I appreciate that they're able to do it so broadly. You yes. Know? Yes. So uh, what now the point of this was, I feel a lot more successful going to the other school and substituting for their teachers than I do for my own students. Mm-hmm. Um, just just on the just on the one offs, like I go in there and this is what they've been working on. This is what they're doing. I can just go there, observe. You know, help them move in the direction of whatever they're trying to do to be successful. I only yeah. sub for piano over there. I teach piano and drums um, at Sage. Nice. Um, so I often feel that way. It's not necessarily the case. My my students are typically um, more than satisfactory with the work that they're doing with me uh, at Sage. But I definitely feel like may I, it really confirmed the idea that you said is maintaining somebody else's structure is way easier than creating my own. Yeah. For me too. That's it's. Like I said, I said that exact same thing in the interview, dude. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, yeah, <laughs> that is. It's weird that that is the case too, because I think, like, I don't know. I remember when I was in high school and stuff. I used to love the thought of all the freedom after high school. You know, where it's like I can structure my day however I want and all these things. And then, yeah, you get grown up and be an adult, and you're like, my goodness, I need a little help. You know, all right, it's good to have some rhythm, if you will, but. Yeah. It's very... A lot of people think jazz music is all just improvisation and free. And it can be. I don't actually don't like complete free jazz like that very much. There has to be some sort of foundation. Exactly. Yeah. And you move within those boundaries or you push those boundaries or you break those boundaries, but you are breaking the boundaries. Right. Right. It's not... There's no boundaries in the, in, to begin with. Uh, even artistically, if you're like trying to play something and make it sound good, you kind of play around within the boundaries and you establish very strongly, like, this is the boundary, this is the chords we're playing, this is the scale we're playing. Right. We're doing that. You do that first, and then you say, now we're pushing this boundary. Yeah. Or now we're breaking this boundary. Um, and and that, that kinda, that's, that's kind of how you build like a solo or something artistically in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that, um, that I've had to learn at Sage. They also, they don't just... Want me to come in and um, teach, make them money, make some money for myself, and leave. They want me to become a better teacher. They want me to become a better musician, which right. I have since working there. Um, and one of the things with structuring my life is that um, I'm I'm not great at keeping appointments. I'm not great at arriving at things on time. And it was just kind of a general thing that I just eventually accepted. Like, ah, I'm just not good at showing up on time to things. Mm. 
But one of the things that they teach at Shage is they want us to visualize our tasks um, or have our students visualize the part of music that they're attempting to do or practice before they do it. Uh, meaning they imagine the steps they're going to take to accomplish whatever the musical task is, right? Mm. So what I started doing, and I've told them this, is like when I go to bed each night, I visualize the entire next day. It doesn't take that long, but I think about everything I'm going to do like it's a song. Like how am I going to transition from this to this? What are the steps I'm going to take? This is going to be really difficult. What is the, what am I doing? Plan of action. The plan sorry. of action for that. And go through that in my head. And even when it doesn't happen the way that I visualize it, there's already a boundary or foundation or a structure there yeah. that I can just break from mm. and then come back to. Whereas before, I just really didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. No, <laughs> oh. that's good. Because I just to have that, it's sort of like a gentle preparedness, you mm-hmm. know? Because, yeah, I've been in that situation where it's, I I sort of have always romanticized the idea of, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Better not think about it, you know, or just like, let's figure it out as we go. But I've realized more and more as I've grown up of how impractical that is yep. and how much more I can accomplish if I just am diligent about laying things out sort of and in that way visualizing and kind yep. of, yeah, just almost just imagining a lot of times. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's another thing that I, that's not just at Sage, but in general, um, some music teachers kind of figured out that th- if you're unable to practice, thinking about practicing and also studying, thinking about studying hmm. um, has some serious benefits to, um, to the motor, especially with practicing, to the motor functions that you're trying to create. Just thinking about doing it rather than like trying to do it yeah. um, helps a lot. So that's so, yeah. so wild. To I think know. About. That's cool. Did you? Well, actually, let's take a break. Do you got time to do a little longer? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's take a break and then we'll come back for uh, the second hour. Okay, cool. Yeah. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. Again, beloved listener, it's the second hour now, and we are fortunate to continue enjoying the company of Isaiah Cozy Masters. Uh, I am also fortunate to be here. This is a great hang for sure. Ah, good. Um, sometimes I'll bring. I like that when I started the show. I liked the idea of doing a fruit of the week in regards to the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. So just kind of like to highlight because I feel that the Fruit of the Spirit is an inarguably positive thing Yeah, that's no in lot. Christianity that a lot of people don't even know about. Mm-hmm. And um, this week, it's peace. Ah, okay. <laughs> and uh, I'm curious, how do you find peace in life, or what do you do to create or generate peace in your you know, life and surroundings? Well, huh. this is not, it's not, it's not super tough. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times my brain goes a thousand miles an hour. Hmm. Um, and when fear gets involved, that can kind of 
that can spiral pretty bad. Um, you know what it is? It's old Christian music. I don't. I don't. When I was growing up, I listened to exclusively Christian music. That was, yeah, that was the kind of the household we have. But and I so I don't as much now. But like on the on the way here, I was kind of I kind of freaked out because I was running late. Um, and you 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 were gracious about that. Yeah, obviously. no sweat. Totally. But I put on I put on an old Hezekiah Walker um, oh, nice. track called uh, "Power Belongs to God," and it wasn't like the lyrics were specifically speaking to me. But the memory of when I heard that song mm. was was good. We were all kind of singing and dancing to it, kind of, you know, freely and ridiculously. Uh, yeah. My my mom, my brothers, and I. I think my dad was deployed at the time, and and so I think you know to answer the question, I think I think for me, what helps me create peace for myself is remembering something peaceful hmm. and 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 remembering what that felt like and and really visualizing visualizing that um for some people they really need to be kind of grounded in reality in their current situation um to kind of process things yeah i think for me i kind of have to t- get take a step back out of it for a minute just a minute just hmm. a little bit to to remind myself so yeah it's good to get a bird's eye view sometimes and kind of step back. Mm-hmm. I feel that. And I do, I love the way that uh, with music, like a particular song, sometimes you can hear it and it'll almost bring you right back mm-hmm. to that positive memory that's associated with it. Yeah. And there was a, um, there was a, a, a Cuban, uh, a Cuban restaurant that I used to go to. And they would always play salsa music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I loved the food. I loved the owner very, very much. Um, I need to go there again. And uh, later on, when I was teaching at another school years ago, I ended up playing salsa music. But what I found was like I could taste the food while I was playing. I was playing drum. I was playing drums. Did it taste like salsa? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It tasted. I mean, it it tasted like chicken, beans, and rice. Like it was. It was weird. I was like, why? Why am I... That's interesting to think of just the different senses, you know? Yeah. And where if maybe you smell something or hear something or tri- see something, it could trigger another sense. You yes. Know? It was it was wild. I thought I was going crazy. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Music. Maybe that's a superpower or something, dude. That's kind of cool to think about. It is. It, it could be. You it, should just travel around all the different restaurants and in just, town. And just listen really intently listen to the music. Listen intently to the music while tasting the food and then see if you can recreate the flavors that's, Depending on the genre you play, <laughs> that would that would be oh man that would be that would be cool. Um, <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, I like it. Well, that's good. That's a good answer. I what, feel. What about you? How do you create peace? Um, I've you know it feels like it's sort of kind of a an ever changing thing almost. Mm-hmm. I have the the standards of you know a lot of times it can just be listening to songs that are endearing to me or you know that are like special to me yeah um i've been trying to spend more time reading Mm -hmm. because i just want to be a better reader Mm -hmm. and i find that that is always like it ends up feeling quite peaceful you know to just like because i'm not a super fast reader but i am good at comprehending everything that i read and so i kind of appreciate that act Mm -hmm. you know but then also 
I get so much peace from being around people because I'm very extroverted and I, mm. I find a lot of fulfillment or a lot of times I'll, I can tell if I'm just feeling a little off, like yeah. it probably is because I haven't talked to anybody for a while or haven't been around friends for a while. Yeah. And just being around others so often They're, fills me with, it's like joy and peace at the same time. Yeah. You know? But I, I understand. I love going for drives. Mm-hmm. Just to, and with no destination necessarily, but just uh, driving around listening to music, that's something I really like, or that brings me peace. I feel. Yeah, I guess I never. I am also pretty extroverted, and I also really have a need to be around and interact with people. But I guess I never really associated it with something that that brought me peace. I know it made me feel better. Yeah, and I guess because it's not. It's not necessarily peace, I think, but because we we've, we associate peace peace with tranquility. But even in a spiritual sense, like the the ideas, at least the biblical ideas of like peace and joy and stuff like that, aren't necessarily just the feeling of right. quietness or the feeling of happiness. It's something there's little, they're all sort of intermingled, and yes. that's something I really love too about the whole idea of the fruit of the spirit. Is it's all love, mm-hmm. you know, but to break it down in the different ways that it is. It becomes almost like these virtues, you know, facets of love's expression. Yeah, yeah. Where we can, and you can delve deeper into each one, you know, where, and then gain a better understanding of the whole of all of them. Exactly. And yeah, because I've, I've preached one sermon oh, cool. in my life. Um, it was back when I was seventeen at the church I grew up with here, um, not the church I, t- I attend and serve at now, but the church I grew up with, which was called City Refuge Christian Fellowship. Um, led by the late uh, Bruce Gunkel um, and his wonderful wife, Sherry Gunkel, who, sur- who, who survives him. Nice. Um, who, was the sis- who was the sister of Rick Godwin. Um, I do. F- I feel like I know that name, but... Pastor of a megachurch. Okay. Uh, theologically shaky. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, megachurch. But... Right. Um, to- in some people's opinion, theologically sake, right, right. It's in, people are gonna people. It's fine. Yeah. But um, I preached one sermon in my life, and it was that. It was at that church when I was seventeen years old, and it was on the fruit of the spirit. Oh, rad. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. What is it? How timely. Yeah. <laughs> fruit of the spirit always one it. of always one of my favorite favorite subjects, um, just in general, because that to me was the evidence. Is that when I saw right. when I see change or sought change in myself, and it was that at least one of those things. Not everything. No, nobody's all the things all the time. Right. But when you are needed to be one of those things, or when you need one of those things, um, it's on you to show up and fulfill your calling, or God's going to show up Himself in in some way. And right. And, and a lot of times you. through others. Like I love the, the oh, imagery. Oh, you know what gets me. When it's through non-Christians. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. But I love that because I think it's, it just yes. shows like the vastness, you know? Because. His audacity. That's yeah. how I perceive it. Right. Yeah, well, we, we so often want it. We mm-hmm. think like, okay, well, once you get in the crew or, you know, once you're a dedicated believer, then God can work through you. And it's like, nope. man. It never no works way. that way. Think of all the time. I mean, I love hearing from God in secular music sometimes, you know, 
of just give like me an exa- I have an example, but give, you give me like, one first. Uh, Hold on, we're going home by Drake. Really? Tell God me. like spoke to me through that. One tell me, night. tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, just the whole it just made me I've think got of my heaven. Eye on yeah, you. it's like God singing to the church. Yeah, you know. Yeah, mine was uh, just the way you are. I yeah. Billy Joel. Heck yeah, Billy Joel. You know that song? Oh yeah. Yeah, that was like that hit that I that hit me at a at a time. Like I I don't I didn't even listen to Billy Joel. I know I I'm a musician. Whoa. I should have known already. And I went on a whole rabbit hole with him after the fact. I was in a bad spot, and like that song came on, and my brother was too. My brother Jonah. And that song came on, and it's it was just like I cried. Mm-hmm. I, I cried for like an hour. Yeah, and because it was like okay, yeah. Uh. <laughs> I hear you, God. Don't go yeah. changing. I try mm-hmm. to please me. Yeah, man, that's a great song. Mm-hmm. I like all these songs we're bringing up because we can include them in the show. Oh, nice, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Oh, right on, dude. Well, awesome. I'm trying to think of where else we can go. There's I. That's the thing too of like. I don't structure the interviews really. I just like to let them go where they go. Yeah, I I I feel it bouncing around. Yeah, yeah and it works. It's yeah. like music. Yeah, exactly. You, you just listen to each other. Yeah, that's it. Um, you went to IHOP in eleventh grade. You said. Yeah. Did you start playing music in the church? Is that where you first played music? Not. No. 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 no, no. Okay. When I was four. I started taking lessons, started taking classical piano lessons. I was nice. uh, learning to read music. Um, But uh, her name was Kaori, Miss Kaori. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. And it wasn't a Japanese last name. She was Japanese, but she was, her husband was in the military, um, Mm. in the army, I think, alongside, not alongside my dad, but they were at the same base at the same time in Hawaii. Um, Last name is Benny, Beneik, I don't know, B-E-N-E-I-K, or Beniek, B-E-N-I-E-K. But uh, so I took lessons with her for a while, and then I had another teacher. Then we moved to Washington. I had another teacher named Deborah McFlorin Flickinger. Um, took more classical stuff there, um, and then after we moved here, I didn't take piano lessons anymore. Hmm. Um, I was playing trumpet. I was playing trumpet in high school. I got into college playing on trumpet. But when I went, by the time I got into like eighth or ninth grade, I was singing. At church, I was just singing on the nice. on the on the worship team, um, and then the choir in, in high school as well. Okay, so it was. I pretty... taught me to play in church. Okay, um, gotcha. But I didn't do it until after I graduated high school. Okay, so yeah, I I had started taking piano lessons at a young age, as well, and then in middle school I started leading worship for the youth group Mm. and then did that all through high school and it was really cool how much better it made me just to be playing with others and to be in a position of actually like just kind of needing to figure it out you know but i love the simplicity of worship songs as far as learning and whatnot Mm -hmm. you know where it just made it it kind of like stoked the fire or made the made me love music even more Mm -hmm. and yeah it's just it's so cool the way that it's i just love like hearing about people's journey with music in particular because i feel it's a supernatural it's like the language of heaven you know absolutely and i'm not as good at the classical even just reading music and stuff like that as much i know the basics but i had a piano teacher in middle school 
who taught me, like introduced me to the idea of improvisational jazz. Nice. Because he showed me like an E flat blues scale and two seventh chords. Yeah. And then taught me how to play Amazing Grace or what, like, because we had to do a recital and stuff. And he allowed me to experiment with it and then improv and whatnot. And that just opened up a whole new world to me, it felt like, where I was like, oh my goodness. It's so nice to be free of the boundaries of Mm -hmm. music theory because so many of my piano teachers before that were so big on theory and form. And this guy was the first teacher I ever had. He was like, it still sounds good. It's okay that your fingering is a little off, you know? And I just really, really appreciated that sort of more free-flowing kind of spontaneity, you know? Yeah. And it just, yeah, it made me love it so much more than I had before. That's the kind of teaching that I do at Sage now. I'm I'm more or less the like the jazz or improv or pop piano yeah. type of type of uh, if you want to learn to do those things, if you want to learn to play jazz, you want to learn to play like in a piano bar, if you want to just learn how to play covers and learn how to learn how to play covers. So, yeah. Um they that's typically the kind of the, the students that have goals like that, they're the ones that they send that they send to me. That's cool. Um I don't I won't say I lost all the classical training. But, like, I didn't take lessons. I didn't take a single piano lesson for, until I got into college um, for a while. And even when I got into college and I started taking piano lessons, hmm. they were like, oh, you're, you're a jazz player. So we're going to teach you jazz. So Yeah, and, so they just kind of went with the, yeah. Yeah. And I, there was a, a really uh, impactful experience or set of experience I had was experiences I had were jazz jams. Um, hmm. There's one at, you know where the pharmacy is at almost, around the almost park area what's it called it's called the bar it was called the pharmacy it's now an italian restaurant oh but it was it was a restaurant where a bunch of these old <laughs> I, I love i love telling people um uh lis- listeners if, if you are unaware i am black um <laughs> what what so jazz music is um part really big part of black american musical history for sure but the people that taught me the most about jazz were a bunch of old white people uh-huh. and i love it i love it so much wow. You know, that's a, yeah, that's like a positive <laughs> redemption story because so often when you hear old white people, you're not, you're not getting, it's usually people condemning well, that. Or even, even then, like this is the preservation of the, these are the people keeping jazz, at least in its more traditional format. Um, these are the people keeping mm-hmm. that alive. And they had like a sincere appreciation of it. I'm sure you could see. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they, um, and a lot of what I get to teach now is just an impartation of what they gave to me. Mm. So you know, it's um, you know, it, it's it's something I think about often, and I and I, I think is really really beautiful. Yeah, I, I love that whole, just that whole idea of the relationships that are formed through music, and the sort of restoration that can come from that in so many ways on these sort of like almost trivial lines. I think that we form so often in our tribal human nature, Mm -hmm. you know, where we feel we have to associate with those like us or be kind of trapped in our own little worlds or bubbles. And I love the way that music breaks through that so often. Oh, oh, so consistently. Yeah. Um, for, for, to take it back to back on Broadway, most of that audience was black. Yeah, it was awesome. And they loved you. It was so fun. (laughs) They, They loved you so much. And um, and not not that I not that I had any doubts, but I didn't know about that audience, um, and I didn't know much about you before then. And um, a lot of time, a lot of times now, I'm 
tangenting a bit. A lot of times now, I feel like people... There's a lot of gatekeeping things about mm. culture for various reasons. Um, a lot of black people feel like elements of our culture are um, exploited and used a lot. And the reaction is that we kind of keep it close to the vest. We tell everybody, you can't do this, you can't engage with this. Yeah. Um, and where it really frustrates me is music. Because like you said, that is a, often a really big bridge for breaking breaking apart some of these things. Even the hurts, right? Yeah. But what I... What it's I, like healing. Yeah, right? And... And so a lot of people are saying, you know, white people or non-black people can't do X type of music or shouldn't do X type of music or you shouldn't do, do this. And, that. and as a music educator, this frustrates me because not all my students are black, but most of the music I have to give people is re- is related to black music. So right. I don't care. Like, you're going to get the best of what yeah. I know. But what I realized is as I've done more events and gigs um, with black artists and, and with uh, and for black audiences, I live in. Uh, I we are in San Antonio, um, which is a primarily Hispanic population. So for sure. So I usually do things with Hispanic or uh, or Latino artists and for and in front of Latino art audiences. Not yeah. necessarily Latino music, but that's just the people that are there. Yeah. But I've been around more black people recently, and sometimes there's non-black people there. And the absolute truth is that I that I've that I see from the people in my culture is that when non-black people engage with our culture, we love on them heavy. Mm. And especially with music. Like, yeah. that's that's just what happens. Um, there's a jam at the Starlighter tomorrow night um, that is put on mostly by black people, and the musicians that will be backing up the artists is mostly black people. But the love and the acceptance and the support for people of all backgrounds is yeah. so consistent and so real that being that engaging with other people in other cultures with the music of my culture is something I'm going to want to do forever because it's, it's just great. Yeah. What are it, you doing tomorrow night? <laughs> I don't know. I might go to that. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. What time does it start? It starts at 8, but it's black people, so it'll start at 8.30. <laughs> Maybe cut that out. Oh. <laughs> it's fine. It's like Hawaii time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Then. No, I think that's so cool because of just, yeah, I feel there's such a power to music alone, you know, where, and in that setting, it's not like anybody's trying to gatekeep anything or try and step on anybody's toes or steal anybody's culture. Exactly. It's literal celebration of yes. everyone, you know, or yes. just a celebration of diversity and difference, you know, because yes. that's, that's the thing that frustrates me is when white people are like threatened or feel that things are being gatekeep kept sh- from them. We should have hung out before. <laughs> yeah, I know, dude. Dang it. It's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, go, go on. Continue. Well, no, just, yeah, I'm just, I just love the, the capacity for healing that there is in music alone. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't even have, that's my favorite thing too, is just like doing jam nights at my house and just having people over to, to jam and make music. And not really have an agenda necessarily, but just create and have fun and enjoy the wonder it is to make a song, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, like, not even a song. Just, any, I don't Anything. know, just the community, Dude, yeah. Like, have you ever just, like, have you ever, like, made a big meal with your friends? You know, I have not participated in the making as much but as the eating. being around and eating. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, even, like, often, oftentimes... Even if someone, even if one person, even if I'm just cooking and everyone is just around, like they don't even have to help. If they're just around, the whole experience is so much better. Um, But I have like cooked like 
with with some people to, not efficiently it wasn't efficient like we were right but that's that's kind of the fun of it too <laughs> exactly there's not you're not as confined by timing and thing it's more it's it's like play mm-hmm. yeah. yeah exactly exactly mm. right. it was what you do with music you play it. right so yeah yeah that's cool man i love it um well sweet i might go to this thing tomorrow night what? i'll send i'll send it i'll send it to you it starts yeah. at eight it's at the Starladder, which is right off of Fred, Fredericksburg right. Road. It's free, free admission. Um, uh, and by the time this airs, you'll be able to see. You'll be able to say how it went. Yeah. So. But I don't do it on Sundays. But I will be able to. Oh. Okay. Because I don't. Yeah, I send it in on Thursdays. <laughs> so that's okay. That'll be fine. I can tell them next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, awesome. Uh, so what are you working on right now? Apart from all these bands you're in, have you ever done just solo? Like my you, own stuff? Yeah. I haven't yet. Um, I am, and you, and there's a reason. I'm realizing right now. Right now I'm having this realization. <laughs> uh, it's because I'm working on myself. Oh, I hear um, you. I've got to get, I've got to, I've, I've been kind of, I've been trying to put myself back together. Uh, I recent. I told you uh, in the first hour that I had a, that I have an ex-fiance. Yeah. Um, I was with her for six years. We had a wedding Oh, wow. Date. We had a wedding date set for the end of last year. She postponed. Some things happened. Um, and we broke up. Yeah. And that was, I think two months ago. Two months ago. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, it's still pretty fresh. Our dating anniversary is July 7th. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man. That was, that, was, that was the day we became boyfriend and girlfriend. Um Dude, you should come up to Colorado and play music at my wedding. Redeem the date. I would. I would love to. <laughs> actually, uh, we'll 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 see. Uh, I think okay. I I think I have a, I actually think I have a gig that night. Cancel it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you, might, you maybe could. It'd be fun. Oh, uh, it would be. Um, have you been to Colorado? Yeah, I okay. I was there for work uh, when I was for a little while. Um, I wasn't good at this job. I was an administrative assistant for. Uh, sur- for a company that dispatches and contracts surf pros. Surf pros, a water restoration company. Um, for, so when there's water damage, something yeah. coming, they set in cubicles oh, yeah. and fans and stuff like that. There is a specific company that is part uh, that is contracted to another company that owns a bunch of hotels, like a bunch of hotels all wow. over the country, right? And those hotels have certain kinds of water damage or whatever. They contract my company, which con which contacts specific serve pros to go in and do those jobs. Wow. So, I understand network. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand the concept. I understand the job very well. I was not good at the job. I, I'm not good at documentation that. and administration. Like, <laughs> I'm not as good at that either. That's yeah. what I've been doing for the last couple of years: is personal assistant slash bookkeeping. And I'm super grateful for it because I've learned a lot, mm-hmm. but I'm also just aware of yeah. how much that's not really my forte. Yep. You know? Yep. I I also learned a lot. I got yeah. like I got like certified to like do surf pro jobs. Nice. Um and it was re- and it's really interesting stuff. Um I just wasn't good at the job. I feel that. So um but during for that job, for training and for one of the bigger jobs that happened like right after they hired me, because the pipes in some hotels in Boulder Long and Boulder oh, yeah. Longmont um, burst, and uh, I had to go and well, we had to go and like assess that. And it's cool. Wow. It was cool. It was cool. It, it's really a cool job. It, it was what, based here, and you got to like. It was not based. Here. Oh, okay. It was based in Arizona. But you worked here. Yeah. 
And then you got to actually go and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they just paid for you to travel up there and stuff. And Oh, that's cool. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. I got that job and then I proposed. Like that was, nice. that, yeah. was the, that was, that was the plan. So, so you guys dated for six years. Yes. And that is a long time. Yes. That's a big part. She's, I mean, she's also my only, she was also my only girlfriend. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's wild. Cause it's insane how much of an impact relationships have on us, mm-hmm. you know, when it's romantic relationships. I mean, because you sort of morph in to each other, to each other. Yeah. You become one another in different ways and that's teach each other about who you are, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, man. Yeah. I'm sorry that happened. It's, it's okay. Yeah. It's not great. It's not even good. Right. It's, it's, it's okay. It's hard. Yeah. Um, there were some incompatibilities that I ignored or thought I could just love through. Mm. And that's not necessarily how it works. Yeah. Um, and there were... There were some fears on her end that were really debilitating for us as a couple mm. um, that I didn't alleviate enough. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that's kind of the And it's not my job thing, to right? do Yeah, it. it's like... I, where as hard and difficult as it is, I'm always, I always want to celebrate a broken engagement, bef- you know, instead of, a do- instead of mourning a divorce. Yeah. But if, but that's but what it feels like I'm doing. For sure. Yeah. You know? Um, well, and when you've been together that long, that's, I mean, that's just a hefty chunk of your life. Like, like her, like her, her nephew was calling me uncle and stuff like, oh yeah. And it, it's just. It's it's just, it it, it 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 was it was hard. So, but even then, the thing that I've re- that I've learned throughout this so far, is um, is that I have to as much as I am an extrovert, um, and you, you you may have heard this, and you may relate to this, is that I have to be okay with being alone. Ah, uh, yeah. And I can't let, I can't pin my fear of abandonment. Hi, hi. I'm being interrupted by a by a by a furry friend. little juniper, saying hello. You can't be driven by fear of abandonment. Yeah, and a lot of, a lot of times she she actually attempted to break up with me much earlier in the relationship, twice I think, mm. and I just kind of, I I convinced her not to, um, yeah. both times, but looking back, I'm not gonna say I should have because there's a lot of great things that. There's a lot of great things For in the sure. relationship. She's a she's she's a wonderful person. Um, I was definitely angry at her, and probably still am, but um, there are a lot of great things in that relationship and, and the experiences of the growth and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, but but looking back, the thing that kept me that drove me to say, "Hey, I want to stay with you," was not love, you know, in entirety. It was fear of being alone, mm. and yeah. so. I have a coworker now. Uh, they had this this coworker. They told me uh, I was hanging out with them once, and they were like, "Why are you here?" <laughs> and I was like, "Cause I want to be." And they looked at me, and they were just like, "No, you just you just don't want to be alone." I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, man." And I was like, "Whatever." And they yeah. said, "No, you need to go deal with that." <laughs> oh wow! And, and I went home, and I was like. I hate this. I hated it. I hated it so much. 
But yeah. I thanked them later because they were right, and I had to. And so I'm de- so I'm dealing with that. Yeah. Um. And one of the reason, one of the other thing that was happening is, um, I actually have been. I, I lead I lead worship and at my church, um, right now. And I've been slacking on my duties there, um, mm. and part of that is because I'm exhausted. And I'm exhausted because I'm playing and rehearsing and doing all these things all of the time. Yeah. Um, and I'm not doing these things. I mean, I do love it. I do love the music I'm doing, but I'm throwing myself everywhere so that I don't have to be alone. Yeah. And <laughs> it's. I think that's. A, I relate to the the idea of being extroverted, and how how natural it feels to distract myself from pretty much just pain. Yeah. You know, that's something I realized too. I watched that show shrinking on Apple TV Mm -hmm. with Harrison Ford and Jason Segel. And they talk about grief a lot in it. And this, they say, if you don't give yourself time to process grief, you're going to find ways to cope, you know, that aren't necessarily healthy. And, it just kind of hit me when I heard it oh, and made yeah. me think about just getting paralyzed and how much I maybe didn't let myself feel, feel grief, you know, because I was, and I think I've, I've been, it's something I'm continuing to work on, you know, and learning through, but it's kind of a, yeah, my whole life I've always been super positive and optimistic, you know, and I just keep hearing things and I'm being more reminded and sort of learning the value of actually allowing myself to feel the heavier emotions, you know, or the the less than positive emotions, mm-hmm. be it sadness or anger or just, yeah, loneliness, you mm-hmm. know, because that was something too. When COVID happened, I remember thinking, oh, no. I can't do this. I'm not going <laughs> to, yeah, like, I'm not going to survive. There's no way I could just stay home, but... Yeah, so it's it's been an interesting journey kind of ongoing, but I'm a, I'm proud of you for being consistent and resilient, man. Yeah. I've got to I've got to start saying no to things and and Isn't and, that and hard to do? Yeah. Sheesh. I'm, I'm, you, you, do you have issues being a people pleaser? Oh man. Oh dude. Don't get me started. <laughs> I watched that movie Yes Man. That was <laughs> that was the first movie I ever saw alone in theaters. Yeah. And I was in eighth grade. I thought some friends were going to join me, but they bailed. Uh-huh. And so I went and saw that movie by myself. And looking back, it had a profound influence <laughs> on me. Because <laughs> it just made me say yes to so much, you know, or it just made me feel like no was a bad word almost, you yeah. know? Which is not the case at all. Nope. Like, it's really good to say no to things and realize your boundaries and limit yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're extroverted and also just love to have fun no does kind of feel like a bad word but it's this whole journey of discovering myself uh, you know yeah who am i <laughs> what am i doing here? yeah man well we've been talking for about 30 minutes here it's a, probably a good place to wrap things up what final thoughts do you have for the lovely listeners of oops i miss church isaiah um <laughs> It's okay if you miss church. Ah, yeah. That's I think that's I think that's what I can I can leave you leave you with. It's okay if you miss church. Um. But if you miss church or anything else, make sure you let people know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep 
yeah, that's the thing. I as a the show has grown and kept continuing, they let me keep doing it. It's made me think about the name more because I got the name from a dear friend who had the idea of a Sunday afternoon radio show called Oops, I Miss Church. That's a great name. It's fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it makes me wonder, too, of how much just the whole concept of church and how many people that never miss church have maybe missed what church is about as far as the Christ-centered understanding of it. Oh. You know? Oh, I mean, oof. Let me let me let me let me let me tell you something. Um, I hadn't for a while, uh, except for when I was working at that one job and I traveled a bit. I think I traveled over a weekend. I think I hadn't missed church in like three or four years or wow. something, just because of just because of my position. Like, yeah, it's a really small church. There's no one else to play and stuff. Um, and so even before COVID, at least, even when I got sick. Um, I would just, I would just go, um, but then COVID happened. We didn't meet for a long time. Yeah, and that was so weird for me. And then we we got back into it. We got back into things, and then and then Sarah uh, Sarah and I broke up um, a, a couple months ago. And I'm realizing now, I should have missed church. Hmm. My position at church wasn't such. That I could go to church and get what I needed, I, uh-huh. and so I should have missed church and stopped everything. I should have stopped everything else that I was doing, and I didn't. So we'll see what consequences that brings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's annoying how easy it is to wear ourselves thin and just try and do it all, mm-hmm. you know. But sometimes you gotta miss some things. Yeah, man, Isaiah, thank you so much for doing this, dude. It's thank been you for so having me once again. Wonderful to Can- have you. I know it's late. Can I play your organ again? Of course. Okay, cool. Heck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Oops, I Missed Church, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Everton. Go and love your neighbor.